Good morning. I'm recording this sermon on Friday morning. And just yesterday when I woke up, I felt the Holy Spirit clearly prompting me to set aside the Pentecost sermon I thought I was going to be preaching. Ah, sigh. And to start writing a new one instead in a space of one day. Because you see, preparing for Pentecost, the day that we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, the breath, the holy breath of God, I kept hearing the last gasping words of George Floyd. I can't breathe. George Floyd, as we all know by now, is the 46-year-old African-American who was brutally suffocated to death by a white police officer kneeling on his neck for seven horrifying minutes this past Monday in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And just like Eric Garner six years ago, Video shows Floyd repeatedly crying out to the officer, I can't breathe. And not just once, not just twice, but 15 times. But still, the officer would not lift up his knee. And just as appallingly, the three other officers that were present did nothing either even as bystanders pleaded for Floyd to be treated like the human being that he was, even as Floyd can clearly be heard on the video saying, I'm about to die. When the officer finally did remove his knee, Floyd had stopped breathing. The precious breath of God, given as a gift to every human being, was no longer in him. A bystander can be heard saying, they just killed him. And medics rushing Floyd to the hospital could find no pulse in him, and upon his arrival, he was pronounced dead. And ever since then, we've been hearing people of color telling us that they can't breathe either because in more ways than can be counted, they still feel our white knee pressing down on their black necks. And this has led to protests spreading from Minneapolis to cities across our nation since then. You know, as Alan Epp Weaver preached last Sunday, <clears throat> this time of pandemic <clears throat> is revealing and exposing how another deadly virus, that of racism, still is so very much embedded in the soul and the structures of white America and continues to devalue and to brutalize the bodies of people of color. 
Now, maybe you're sitting there right now saying, yeah, but preacher, what does any of this have to do with Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus? Well, friends, I believe it has everything to do with Pentecost. Because you see within the Trinity of God, the Holy Spirit is the midwife who breathes, breathes, breathes the life of God into our world. At the birth of the universe, God's Spirit hovers over the face of the waters. And in Hebrew, the word for spirit is ruach, a feminine word that means breath or wind. And at Pentecost, she hovers over Jerusalem and brings the church of Jesus Christ to life. She is the comforter, the holy advocate, the enlivener. She comes to groan for us with sighs too deep for words when we don't know how to pray. She comes to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. To remind us of the words and the ways of Jesus and to guide us into all truth. In Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit comes with what sounds like the rush of a violent wind and the holy breath of God is breathed into these 120 women and men. And taking in this holy breath leads them to be able to breathe out in brand new ways, fresh ways, and to speak in new languages and tongues. This group of Galileans, unlettered, is suddenly able to speak in every language of the Roman Empire with beauty and fluency about God's reconciling love for the world in Jesus Christ. A love that death itself cannot, cannot hold in its power. And this polyglot group is soon drawing a crowd of curious onlookers who wonder if these Galileans have gotten an early start on happy hour. And these onlookers are bewildered and astonished and amazed, we read. And then in verse 12, we hear them asking, what does all of this mean? And you know, really, 2,000 years later, we're still just beginning to answer and to live into that question. Let me briefly mention just three things. First, the coming of the Holy Spirit clarifies the scope of God's love. 
She now equips and energizes the followers of Jesus to go to the ends of the earth to welcome all people of every gender and race and ethnicity and sexual orientation into the family of God. Come on in. Parthians, Mesopotamians, Cappadocians, I don't know if I can say all of these, Phrygians, Libyans, Cretans, and even, as you've heard me say before, Lancastrians. Gather them all in. And did you notice verse 17? God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Did you notice verse 21? So that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you notice 1 Corinthians 12, 7 today? The Spirit activates the church with a vision for the common good, the good of all, of everyone, where nobody, no one, is ever outside the circle of God's love and concern ever again. Second, Pentecost means letting go of control. As Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, the wind, the breath, goes where it chooses. And you won't know where it's coming from or going next. Verse 17 in Acts 2 today, the Spirit will lead our younger generations to see visions and our older generations to dream dreams, to clamor for how the church needs to change and to look different in order to thrive in our ever-changing times. Suffocating and oppressive structures will be swept away. New and liberating ones will come to life. Friends, I believe that East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church is now at a very crucial juncture in the life of our congregation, especially as we consider the full inclusion of LGBTQ folks into all parts of our church's life. And how will we know what is inspired by the Holy Spirit and what is not? By her fruit. The flourishing of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if I can be so bold, I'd add one more list to the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.28, justice. Becoming a faith community where everybody can breathe freely and fully 
as God intends. And finally, Pentecost means connection. Pentecost is the miracle of the Spirit bringing connection where there used to be isolation and alienation and division. The Holy Spirit works tirelessly to guide and inspire and trouble us to conform to the ingathering ways of Jesus rather than conforming to the excluding ways of our world. And if we are receptive, if we are receptive, we can expect the Holy Spirit to be constantly prompting us, texting us, to move toward one another and toward our neighbors. And friends, there is no greater joy in this life than when we respond to those texts. And many of you know what I'm talking about. And we find ourselves joining what God is already doing in our world. Great joy. Because this is how the kingdom happens. The reign of love comes. This is how we all participate in the life of God in our world. So let me close. You know, I'm quite sure many years from now, our children and their children will ask us how our church responded during this pandemic. And friends already will be able to tell them how our younger members bravely stepped forward to keep our community meal relationships going strong without missing even a single Monday. And already we'll be able to tell them how many of us pitched in to help two refugee families from Congo, Malole and the Mupenzi family, settle here in Lancaster during the hardest of times, giving them language lessons and finding them work, building friendships back and forth with them, and experiencing God's healing and hope together in this strange and extraordinary time. My prayer, my prayer, is that we'll also be able to tell future generations that this pandemic was a turning point for our church, a clarifying before and after moment for all of us. No, God did not cause this pandemic, but God's Holy Spirit surely did use the, the Spirit's energy to transform our church, making us more committed than ever before 
to become a church working for a world where everybody can finally breathe freely and fully as God intends. Let us pray. Breathe on us, breath of God. Fill us with your life anew. That we may love those whom you so love. And may do what you would have us do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.